If you haven't already done so, please go check out and subscribe. Just to go around the room to let you guys know who is here today, you have myself, Becky. What's up? Uh, we also have Devin, who is our editor and videographer. Devin, if you want to say hi. What's up, guys? Welcome back. And then we also have Laura here, who is our writer. Hello, hello. You gotta work on that, I think. <laughs> this is why you leave me last now? Yeah. I noticed it changed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not delivering well. Yeah, and then and then we have our special guest today with us, and we have Kristen. Hi, guys. So just to reiterate again, if you have not done so already, you, you should definitely go check out our, um, our YouTube channel. We just released Kristen's episode last night, um, and it kind of gives a brief overview of Kristen's life. Uh, but if you haven't done so already, so if you want to kind of just tell everyone a brief overview about who you are and, you know, why you're here. I'm Kristen and I have four children and they have all been diagnosed somewhere along the autism spectrum. And so I've been invited to come talk about them and our family. Awesome. Um, so if you can kind of just... Let's just jump right in if we want to kind of go down the children list. Um, sure. So we have your oldest son, Trent. Trent is seven, 16, uh, high school. So if you kind of want to just tell us yeah. a little bit about Trent. Yeah, so high school, 16 years old. He was diagnosed when he was 10, so late diagnoses. Um, and now he is thriving. He's doing very well, very intellectually well. He is in ROTC, he's in National Junior Honor Society, he's dual enrolled right now, um, so doing some high school and college um, work, and will hopefully, if he completes it, um, will graduate with his high school diploma and an Associates of Arts degree. Um, so he's doing well. Um, he still has some social issues, hard time making somewhat friends. Um, a little bit rude sometimes and that's just he's very blunt with his terminologies and things very black and white um, but he thrives and he does very very well um, but he doesn't love his diagnoses and he doesn't like to talk much about it or to be associated with it so we struggle with that so you said that uh, 10 years old is it a little late to get diagnosed what is around the age that most kids or most people so it's typical that you tend to see things earlier on when they're usually into the school age so usually five or so you know they're usually diagnosed those first couple of years of school when they're into the school system um, and Trent was not um, it took quite a few years to kind of get that diagnosis for him um, and he kind of was an afterthought, um, for lack of better terms, um, to his brother that we'll get into. And so his diagnosis kind of was a shock and kind of was, you know, not something we expected, but made a lot of sense after the fact. Um, so. Awesome. So if, if you want to just jump right into Dylan, then the next son, he is 14. Yeah, yeah Dylan's 14 now. Um, and his diagnosis came very early. Um, he was two, um, where he had his formal autism diagnosis. Um, and he also has quite a plethora of other things, epilepsy, um, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder. I mean, many, many different other things. Um, he's on lots of different medications daily, some to keep him going during the day, some to put him sleep at night. I mean, kind of all the above. Um, he is your, I would say classically what you would think of when you think of a child with autism, although he's not your lowest functioning. I kind of throw him in on the mid-functioning clan of group. Um, because he does speak, he is potty trained, albeit sometimes not at night, but he struggles greatly in all places, all things, all times. So his day-to-day -day life is 
quite the conundrum from waking up to every day, brushing your teeth to going to school to coming home therapies daily, um, people in and out of our house to help him, AIDS, um, multiple appointments. I mean, his, his days are long and hard and treacherous for us all. So it's quite the, quite the long days and long nights and early mornings. So. And how is his physical activity? Like, is he okay walking, running? Can he play sports? Yeah, physically he does really well. Um, he, that's one thing he doesn't actually have. One of the therapies he doesn't have is um, physical therapy, so he's always kind of done okay with that. I mean, he's very clumsy, but I can think he gets that from me. So we just ignore that. There's no need for any more help. We're like, we'll, we'll ignore that. Um, Dylan's a singer, so that's always been his passion. That's kind of what he does as his extracurricular, if we were to have one. You know, he does mm -hmm. that in school. Um, that was quite the issue to get him into a regular ed choir this year. Um, last year wasn't so hard, but this year was quite an issue to be able to allow him into there because of... Um, they say because of his scheduling with his um, self-contained autism class, but what they didn't say is because it's he's in a self-contained autism class. So was he not in the self-contained autism class last year when he was in choir? He was, but he was in middle school. So I'm, I hate to like compare middle school to high school because I know things well, it are is so completely different. different. Yeah, yeah, they are so different. So I I give them a little bit of wiggle room for that, but I was never prepared for the fact that. Um, and yet I was, I was kind of told by somebody they're allowed as special needs kids to do art and PE. And that's all the special needs kids can do. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's awesome for some kids. But Dylan doesn't like art and PE. Dylan sings. So I knew we were going to have a problem. I just didn't know how much of a problem we would have. And I mean, they said art and PE. And we said, not art MPE, we said choir because every other child can do choir. And they said, well, it doesn't match up with his schedule for his special needs class. So we, we got into, you know, a battle, you know, of the minds on, on what Dylan was going to do. And they, you know, they, they kindly said, well, won't he like art? You know, and, and all I hear when I hear comments like that are, don't all special kids love to color and paint? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And don't we all love to color and paint? And, and yes, Dylan loves to color and paint, don't we all, if we want to? That is not Dylan's passion. So we had to fight. We had to hire a special needs lawyer. I mean, to the point of we were going to do choir. If that's what my child does, he has a voice. He sings. And he, he's in the special, I mean, he's in the regular choir, so... Yeah, we're happy this year. So with That's the help awesome. of the lawyer, you successfully we are this got him year. into the choir. This year, and they're very verbal that it is for this year only. So, <laughs> so another battle oh, next year. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll table that for next year. I'm like, next year's battles are next year's battles. Yeah. We know it'll come, yeah. Next year they have to audition. This year for freshman choir, you don't audition. So they are very verbal that next year he'll have to audition. And so I'm ready for them to say he didn't make, make it. So we'll... we'll We'll battle that that problem next comes. year. Yeah, yeah. at least yeah, enjoy it now. Yeah, yeah. He, he's so. loving it and he's having a blast. So we're we're happy. So next we have Caden, who mm -hmm. is nine, and he was diagnosed at the age of five. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to kind of just tell us a little bit about him. Yeah. So Caden was diagnosed at five, um, but early on we kind of already saw some of um, the same characteristics. Um, that we had seen in his siblings. And so we were kind of already pretty well versed on what we were expecting, what we knew to be true for Caden also, but we had a pretty good heart to heart with his pediatrician that I had worked with for some years at that time, and personally and professionally. And he was just kind of like, we can diagnose him today, or we can just, you're doing the things we would already do for him. And he was already engaged in um, social skills and different um, ABA therapies and things um, so you can take the diagnoses and do really nothing else with it or we can wait and see if maybe he grows out of some of these you know behaviors because we were kind of trying to decide are these his innate behaviors or are they um, some 
learned behaviors. And so the unfortunate piece is like, I'm like, well, what can I do? I can't remove him from our, you know, remove our, his siblings or him from our family. So this is the life they're going to grow up in. These are the people he's going to live with. So we felt that once he got to kindergarten um, and around some definite neurotypical children, that maybe some of these things would fall off and he would be able to, you know, model other behavior if it wasn't his innate behavior. But in the interim, we moved um, out of state. And so um, this school system that we moved into more supported um, a diagnosis, it felt like. So we went the route of doing the formal evaluation, which henceforth gave the absolute diagnosis for him at that age. So It's wild because people really do, I mean, they often explore the whole nature versus nurture mm -hmm. debate. <laughs> and it's difficult because no one has an answer in, right. in any field, in any study of any yes. bodily or mental function. Nobody knows. There's no conclusions. Mm -hmm. So where do you go from there? I mean, you can't even counter argue that point with a doctor, but then should they even pose that as an option? It's just, it's a conversation that must be hard. I think it's probably a case-by-case -case basis, and I really think that that's what I would empower people to make sure that they feel comfortable with their medical professionals and providers for their children or themselves, that they can have those type of conversations that I'm like, listen, I see this. I know what is and what is not, and so it's hard for me to kind of put the blinders on, but should I call it something today or should I wait? Should we do something now drastic or I'm already engaging him in some of the things that we would do if we named it something. Um, but a lot of times, and I hate to bring it to, you know, insurance and things, but a lot of times those diagnoses are what are fueling us getting the help that our children need medically and, you know, therapy, early intervention are, are key for these children. So sometimes that's what fuels us to kind of do this earlier on is because we need that to go and get what we need for the kids. So know? while it may be constricting to, to throw these diagnoses and these terms at, at young kids, you're saying that it's almost a requirement for you to be funded and able to deal with this. In my experience, and quite obviously I've got a couple to <laughs> base it off of, that's been my experience and the experience of lots of other children I've came across in my um, professional, you know, experience and such. So that's unfortunate, but yes. Um, so. Yeah, we, t we typically like to talk about um, health insurance and with a lot of the people that come on this show, um, you know, it, I've had the effect of it. I'm, I'm sure obviously you have had the effect of it. It's important to us to shed light on the topic for people that are fortunate enough to never have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, almost every single person that has come on this show has brought up how health insurance has affected them, how health insurance affects their, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, a, a illness, a disability, a life, just therapy and anything that there is, it it never can go untalked about mm -hmm. and you know that really just shows that there's might be an issue you know I, and I'm not an expert on health insurance mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on the way it's run and how it's set up but clearly there's an issue with it right. when we're trying to diagnose these kids early enough just so that they can get help right. um, to, and you know I don't know the answer and yeah. you know but but there's definitely, um, it definitely needs to continue to be talked about and brought up. Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, <laughs> um, so the next, the next child is finally your girl. Yeah. <laughs> after, after three boys. Yeah. How happy were you? All we were to the moon. <laughs> That's kind of like my family. I'm the oldest of five. Oh. And... The youngest is my sister. Finally the girl. Four yeah. older brothers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> She's everything we asked for and more. <laughs> I'm like, this is the one, you know, the one you prayed for, right? So I have to have to say that with grace. But yeah, she's been the dark horse. I mean, I knew all along. She was, I mean, at this point, there's no definitive diagnosis for her thus far, except um, social pragmatic communication disorder, which... Um, only came a couple weeks ago, so it's still even new to me. Um, and that was, I was told, just the social communication piece of autism. So take all the other things aside, and it was just that, it, that piece. 
um, and by itself holds its own things and we can do speech and different things and behavioral therapy around that because that's what's causing, they think, some of her behavioral type problems. Um, but we've been seeing behavior issues for her for many years. Um, very hyperactive, very climbing the walls and, you know, I mean, like, you can't have two seconds without her doing something, hurting herself. I mean, she's just literally like she's the dark horse you know you thought you were gonna have like this tutu wearing princess and although she does that too but she's jumping off the roof with the tutu on you know and you're just like oh my gosh you're gonna be the death of us you know so she's a superhero yes a tutu. <laughs> yes absolutely and we love that she does both things you know by all means we are happy that she's ready to get in the dirt um and play and get dirty but she's just very difficult to manage because um, she's been so articulate and she's been, you know, meeting all her milestones. And for so long, we thought that, oh my goodness, this is the one, you know, the girl has the less likelihood of autism, you know, statistically speaking. Um, and so we're like, okay, wow, she's doing all the things. We're doing all the stuff. This is the one, you know, this is it. We were going to finally have maybe an easy road. And that's not the case, you know, um, you know, therapy now waiting for that all to get set up, you know, evaluations and we need to reevaluate her because we didn't do a great evaluation because she refused to do it. And, you know, now they're throwing away, throwing out, you know, we're still have autism on the, the playlist, but we're holding back. And then we may talk about OCD, which a lot of that makes a lot of sense for her too, to just some of the things she does. Like this morning, she wouldn't let David leave until she gave him, you know, a couple hugs and kisses. And it had to be like subsequent, like, no, one more hug and kiss, one more hug and kiss. And we're just like, whoa, that was just real, a lot, you know? Um, but we never thought about it until they told us that. We just thought it was her, you know? So a lot of times it's just like, you're blinded by the fact that like these are your children, you love them, their nuances and quirkiness is the things that you love about them. And then you hear these things and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that makes a lot of sense. You know, if I would have saw it in somebody else, you know, especially with what I do, it might've been easier for me to process, you know. And she's four, correct? I, I know we didn't like say that, so yes, yeah. Sorry. No, it's sorry. okay. I just wanted to make sure we put an age to it. And so you mentioned OCD before, mm -hmm. and uh, my brother was diagnosed with a genesis of the corpus callosum. And when he was younger, he had like major, major OCD. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't eat a, uh, like for example, I used this example in one of our previous podcasts, but mm -hmm. he um, he wouldn't eat a yogurt if you peeled the top off and some of the plastic was left mm. on the outside, on the rim. She's so very I, much like that. Yeah. Very much. And I just didn't realize. I just thought she was so particular. Oh, she's just being dramatic. Oh, she, get it, she gets it from me. She's so extra. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, I'll totally eat that yogurt. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm like, yeah. she doesn't really get that from me. But, you know, I just thought she was being the youngest of you know, four, you know, four, I always say four brothers. I don't know where, because I, maybe I think David's a brother too, but the, uh, <laughs> well, sorry about him. <laughs> the child. Uh, you know, I just, I always, that's what I was telling myself, but that's very much the type mm -hmm. of behavior. So they're very confident that she will likely get that is what they tell me that diagnosis, but they're telling me not till six because of the type of questionnaires and things that they need to do can't come until she's six. So now I'm over here like, oh, great. So now I will have to send her to school without really anything other than like, hey, we we have a little communication disorder, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, we'll work through it with you um, and maybe get some speech therapy, you know, and still walk in blindsided and still probably fight with them, you know, at some juncture or some type of word and still wait for the sixth birthday so that we can magically do another testing, you know, that may or may not shed some light on some of the things that the clinicians already know are existing, but we can't do the testing yet for her because she's four, not six. Yeah. So wow. it's frustrating. I, I couldn't imagine how frustrating that actually is. Um, so to bring up David, since yeah. we've mentioned him <laughs> twice, him. Um, you know, it's interesting. So you and David have been together for 18 years. Um, you had your first child when you were 17 and then the rest after. Mm -hmm. I mean, that in itself, the fact that 
you stayed with the same person, uh, you know, from being a, a you know teen mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, you know, that's mind blowing in itself. I for, think that's so I, rare. Yeah, yeah. That, it's rare mm-hmm. to see. So that's incredible. Um, but I do know that with with the spectrum, mm-hmm. it's more common that older parents mm-hmm. have kids of autism, and it's a lot less common when younger parents have kids of autism. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very interesting that the two of you, being such young parents, mm-hmm. happen to have four. Um, I mean, having four kids with three, potentially four kids, mm-hmm. on the scale, right. on the spectrum, is... It's you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, yeah. I've I've never heard of common. That no, either. actually, to piggyback off of that, yeah, when I was doing research for your episode, uh-huh. AutismSpeaks.org, you had mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two to eighteen percent of I, I guess you know situations or parents who have one mm-hmm. child that's you know diagnosed with autism will have a second. That's a very low percentage. Is that what the de- they're saying? Two to eighteen percent yeah, is that's, low. Yeah. So well, when, I think I mean I think it's low relative to like hundred percent. When they, you have four. When Dylan was diagnosed, so we're talking twelve years ago. The doctor told us, and he was our first diagnosis. Albeit we can say that Trent was the first, if we semantics right. Um, they told us your next child, if you have another, because at that point he was our youngest, would have a seventy-five percent chance for having autism 75 percent chance of higher risk than your normal that's what the neurologist or the developmental pediatrician was who diagnosed him had told us and i was just kind of like okay cool you know this also like, just what indicates that there is such little research done on that right? you know that to have two and our neighbor opinions. has three kids on the spectrum or like neighbor next door so i mean oh, wow. they're here and you know, because I do work in this, like, I see lots of families that have multiple yeah, siblings. I, so I, I mean, and that I just shows how so uneducated, like, like, I know that I'm not educated enough on the topic, and it, and it, right. and it really sheds, you know, a light, it's a lot, a now. light to it. And one in 59 children, I mean, one in 59 children at this last CDC check that I did on it. Yeah. So one in 59, I may have one in, you know, one out of four, of three out of four, maybe four out of four in my own house. So I mean, the numbers are drastic. Yeah, and I never, I, mean? I never knew that. And now that I think about it, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know any females with autism. I know one. I know one. I know oh, two. My I friend two. Cheryl that you two. spoke with, her daughter. You, well, yeah, actually, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. did speak with Cheryl. So, but I, but I never funny. realized that, that I, I've met multiple multiple yeah. kids, male, with mm-hmm. autism, and I, I didn't realize that it was yeah. more of a male-dominant thing. Mm-hmm. So it's all the things. We're still learning. I mean, you know? there's something, I mean, I... Again, to quote optimismspeaks.org, which you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how credible of a source it is, but it is an org. They are, yeah. Um, you know, almost 25 million people worldwide have autism right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know the math. I don't know if that is oh, one yeah. in every 50, 59 <laughs> people. But yeah, we, it's a lot. Yeah, we were actually, um, I think I was at, I'm, I was probably at a bar, but the, <laughs> but it came up on the TV where there was news, and in New Jersey, one in 34 kids have autism yeah. or on Each the spectrum. Each state has their populous. own. Yeah. Yeah. More populous. Yeah, yeah more populous. Yeah. I don't know what Tennessee's I think it's a lot higher than most people would think also. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. And I feel like national CDC's number right now, and the last one was done in 2015 at my last, uh, I'm writing a book too. Oh. Are you? Oh. It maybe never come out because I don't have time for that. Well, I have to be good my with words, yeah. not math. So you get a copy. Yeah. There you go. But at some point, my last time that I checked on it, the CDC was April 2015. I think every April is when they do it. But it was one in 59 children nationwide. So you know what I mean? That's just going into your nation. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have, we can go into way deeper than that. But you know, that's a staggering. You know, yeah. those numbers are great. You know, so. Yeah, maybe I have a couple in my house, but, you know, and then people say, oh, I've met someone with autism, and then, you know, my response is, and a lot of people say, you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism, because they're a spectrum, there's so many differences and nuances to them. Mm-hmm. What worked with Trent does not work with Caden, which never worked for Dylan, and always, always works for this one. Like, they are not the same at all. Yeah, now, maybe people... this worked and this didn't, yeah. I mean, and kids in general that way, but... I mean, you could say therapies or this or that or what worked or this one has sensory issues, that one doesn't. Like, they're like rolling the dice. So mm-hmm. different. 
I have nothing. That's why they call it a spectrum. Mm-hmm. People exactly. can go so long without being diagnosed. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people, and I know what my feelings are mm-hmm. on this, mm-hmm. um, and I've definitely gotten arg- too many arguments with oh, people about God, this. I know, don't. don't <laughs> um, <laughs> I know a lot of people argue about there being so many people being diagnosed now compared to back, you know, when, mm-hmm. when we were children and things exactly. of those sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know my personal opinion is, I don't, <laughs> I don't, and I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't want to start fighting with anyone here. Uh, I, my personal opinion is that it, there just wasn't the ability for people ability to, to, do it. to diagnose it. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And um, that's just because it's my opinion, because that's what I really yeah, feel. I, I feel I we believe... didn't know what we didn't know what we yeah. didn't know. And now that we have the knowledge and we have the power and, and, and medically, statistically, science, we're advancing so far. Mm-hmm. We have the knowledge. So are we going to ignore it now that we have it? No, we're going to help the children mm-hmm. and the people that we have. We also have adults being diagnosed at this juncture in life too. Yeah. I mean, I was reading the other day at my job about an adult that had just got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. 50-something years old diagnosed. I know we were going to touch on David. Mm-hmm. We'll bring him back in a couple years ago. Um, David's doctor recommended he be tested for autism just because of some of the little nuances and different things he had, you know, with his own medical things. And he did the whole route of testing and he most certainly is not on the spectrum. So, I mean, the, the running tab and laugh in our family is like, it must be Kristen then. <laughs> and I agree. Some of the things I'm like, I must be on the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like my social anxiety and so certain things that I have, I'm like, mm-hmm. it must be me. Mm-hmm. But then I hate to say that because then it's putting blame on somebody. Mm-hmm. Like I did something wrong and I created something that's not right. And that's to say that my children aren't right, that there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. There is nothing wrong with your right. children. And even mm-hmm. if it is a hereditary thing. Right. Right. It is, it is neither your nor right. your husband's. Right. We laugh about it because he can only say he's been, di- you know, not diagnosed and I refuse to be tested. Why, why <laughs> because you know, like at this point, I'm like, if even if I am, I function very well. So thank you. <laughs> no thanks. You know. Yeah, we laugh about it. But but at the point is, at this point, he opted to because he was curious. I'm opting to because I'm not curious. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if I am, then I feel like I'll take guilt on, and yeah. I don't need that because I don't need to feel like there's anything wrong with them. And I told Devin this earlier that I had a conversation with Caden's teacher where I said, I cannot fix him, quote unquote, he is not broken. Because she wants me to tell her how to fix him, make him better, make him stop having fits in her class. I can't. Mm -hmm. I wish I could. There's no magic tool. There's no magic words. No magic anything. Mm -hmm. I have nothing for you. But what I said was, we can come together to figure out what we can do for that boy because he deserves to learn and thrive in your classroom. I said, but the, the idea that there's something wrong with my children is what is wrong with this world. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't relate more because um, one of the, the aids that helps my brother in school, my brother's non-responsive, mm-hmm. and one of the aides wrote back to my mom, mm-hmm. and she was like, uh, there's something wrong. He's not paying attention in class. He won't listen to me. And I mean, he's non-responsive. Like, right. what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you should just know this. Make yeah. That better. Um, I think this is, so I, I kind of want to bring up your friend, Cheryl, your friend, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had an amazing conversation when okay. I talked to her. I mean, every single person we talked to spoke so highly of you and, and everything, okay. but to bring it back to, you know, what we were talking about, Cheryl and I had a really great discussion about how much of our ed- how much our education system could potentially make the world of aut- like the autistic or autism spectrum mm-hmm. so much I don't want to say better but like easier if we could figure out and really just hone in on what these kids are gifted with mm-hmm. because most autistic kids are gifted with something mm-hmm. and their gift goes well beyond any neurotypical person. Mm -hmm. So if we had the ability to hone in on this gift that they had and really pull out 
what we could mm-hmm. I, you know I think it could make a world's different difference yeah. and you know speaking with her you know she talked about how her daughter could walk circles around Animal Planet you know mm-hmm. she can tell you anything about any animal and you know I'm not that gifted in anything like I can't I don't have that don't knowledge of anything and if that imagine you know what these people could do for our, for our anyone our world mm-hmm. if we just pulled that out of them, you know, mm-hmm. if we educated them and, and were able to give them the way they need to learn, because obviously they don't learn the way the that I learn. Yeah. And to speak on that, Becky, that was one of the things that when I was, you know, having our heated discussion about getting Dylan in the choir or not, they're like, he's going to lose social studies if we put him in that choir. And I'm like, ah, um, excuse me. <laughs> I've not really needed social studies that much in my career in life, and I'm fairly successful, you know, and I hate to put it that way and make light of it, but, like, I know Dylan, and I've had to accept that Dylan will never get a high school diploma. Dylan will never be the person I thought Dylan would be. Dylan will not do the things I thought he would. But Dylan can sing, and I'm not certain he needs social studies in this world. And if if he could still get it, I'd still love him to have it. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to tell me he's going to lose his passion and something that may open his ability to this world, and maybe that's his passion, and maybe that's how he gives back to this world, I'm going to take that away and give him social studies? Mm-hmm. I'm over here like, excuse me, no ma'am. I don't care about that. What if he's the next Andrea Bocelli? I mean, and that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I fought with them about. And I was like, you cannot take that away from him. That might be his way to get through this world. And And contributing to it. Not even getting through it, but contributing to it in a way that's beyond our ken. I mean, You can't tell me, and you can't stop me from telling you that that is important to him. And I was like, listen, y'all, I don't care if the kid sings or not. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It matters to Dylan. He was in that meeting and they said, Dylan, what do you want? He's like, I want to sing. And they said, okay, well, we'll start you in choir, you know, because of course the lawyer was right next to Dylan. And they're like, when do you want to start this? And Dylan goes, I want to start today. I've missed a lot of choir. By then he was two months deep in missing choir. And they're like, um, we don't know if, and the, the lawyer was like, excuse me, can Dylan start choir today? And they're like, We'll start choir today, Dylan. You know, I mean, like, that's how much it meant to Dylan. Dylan wants to sing. And if that's all he can do today, and that's the only thing that makes any sense in his world today Mm -hmm. or any day, by God, let the kids sing. Yeah, I mean, because he, I mean, the rest of his life is going to be so much harder for than anyone else. And it's high school choir. Like, some people might take it as, like, you know, a serious thing. And that's and that's fine, but why would you take back from giving joy to someone that's gonna have the, a life full of difficulties? It it makes no sense to me. You know, mm. I'm, you know, it's really confusing. Mm. You know, it, it, even if say say it was because like he would go in and and you know it took a little extra to get him involved mm. and a little disruption, but who cares? You know, it teaches kids patience. It, you know, that's exactly what's wrong with our society is that we're removing these kids from From normal normal situations so these other you know neurotypical children don't have that contact so they don't know how to act or treat other people you know with with him him. yeah last year to touch on like what's the difference between i said there's much difference i've seen from middle school to high school middle school he was also in a normal choir it, there is no special needs choir. It was neurotypical choir too for two years. And he went by himself with no aid and he did it normally. And he came and the teacher came to me and I never met the dude. And he shook my hand and he wanted to meet me at Dylan's special needs graduation. He said, I just wanted to thank you for allowing Dylan in our class. And I was like, oh, thank you. But as I'm like thinking of my kids in my brain, Trent has his ROTC and his after school curriculum. Oh, I forgot physics club and, you know, all those things he does. Caden, if I skip Dylan, Caden goes to Cub Scouts. That's what he does. Um, So he has that camaraderie and things that he's starting to build some social things there. And then I hop to Braylon, who's recently started gymnastics. So we're able to kind of see her foster that there. And what does Dylan have? 
He has therapy. <laughs> he has appointments. He has medicines. He has times that you have to wake up, times that you have to go to bed. He has all the rules, all the regs. But what he doesn't have is anything unless I let him do choir. Let me. It's not you letting yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm over here letting him. Yeah, yeah. 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 and if he does. And him. you know the thing is, and everyone's like, and there is a fabulous, fabulous program in Nashville that does special needs choir, and he has been a part of it. And they are amazing, and it is a nonprofit, and they do amazing things. And Caden and Dylan both were a part of it. But at one point, Caden and Dylan both decided they didn't want to be a part of it. And Dylan said he didn't want to sing with the special needs anymore. He wanted to sing with the regular ed. And so why am I not going to fight for that right? You know, he knows that that one is special and that one is regular. He knows the difference. And that's the one he wants and that's the one he should have. And if every other child at the school is allowed and afforded that opportunity, then he should too. Yeah. I mean, but I, I see no other reason. And... Likewise, he received it because of the resources and the opportunities that I've been able to provide for him. But my, my heart breaks that not everybody has those opportunities for their children. They don't know their resources. They don't know their rights. They don't know the laws. They don't have a special needs lawyer in their back pocket. Mm -hmm. They can't do that. And that's where I don't know what to do to help them. And I feel like that in itself affects them in the long run as they try to, you know, mesh with society after school is over. Mm -hmm. You know, they're taking them out of these social situations because, you know, granted they might have that hard time in mm -hmm. them, but that's, it's just putting them in a corner for the rest of their life. You know, like, yeah. you know, you see so many adults with autism struggle, mm -hmm. but you know, it has to come kind of from something, I, you know, and, and I don't want to, but obviously we have like the special needs educators out there that are doing and learning and trying yes. their hardest because Absolutely. everything is changing and, you know, it must be hard and frustrating on these people that care and want to learn mm -hmm. how to do better for them. Um, cause I, no. I personally know that I have a lot of friends directly mm -hmm. that are in the educ the special needs education mm -hmm. and they have, so much passion and so much right. care about their kids and you know what they do and it is you know it is amazing to see oh what they give to them and oh my gosh. but I've, i you know i also hear war stories about I've you know so people many, all the negatives i can yeah. say are positive you yeah know what i mean like i don't want to say that it's that i'm bashing no, you know for the for the negatives i can say you know dylan was actually physically abused in the school system when he was three so we've actually had to do the lawsuit the Dylan was abused you've got the cops and the special needs people at your house and looking at your naked kid and taking pictures and right. doing all that so you had that season of our life that we're like oh oh my god our kid was abused and we didn't know but he wasn't verbal so like how did we know mm -hmm. um and so that happened at school, so I don't trust people. But we've also, like I said, I can say a negative, but I can say we've met some of the most kindest, nicest people we've ever met in the school system, too. I have um, one of the people that actually invited me to a special needs thing at her church once, and that is the church we still go to because they support special needs children. And Caden won't go into a regular church. He just won't. He's too much. It's too loud. It's too many people. It's all, all the things, you know, and he won't. And so we don't go, we won't go to church, you know. So now he has a buddy. He has buddies because they now they've multiplied. He got a buddy and a wife and now another one because the wife's pregnant. So they're planning for when they leave for a little bit so that Caden has somebody. And they sit with him during church and they they foster that relationship with him and they love him and care for him and know that his needs are different than the kid next to him and don't just put him in a room where every other kid's supposed to be or they don't make me feel like I can't go to church because that was what I was doing for so many years. I'm like, nope, my kids can't go to church because we're different, you know? Um, and it's just those little things like that's trying to help me heal, trying to help me fill my cup up, trying to help me find some re respite and some way to find my way around this world and you know these people love my children and their di differences and difficulties and that was why one of our special needs teachers you know and so 
you know, I say a negative, but there's so many positives mm -hmm. too. But there are, there are some very wonderful teachers out there. And then there's some not, you know, and I feel like that's probably in every profession. I think we can say it. So. I, I find that in my own as a pediatric nurse. I feel that's what I struggle with. I mean, we deal with children. I mean, we can say all different kinds of, you know, diagnoses, but definitely on the spectrum. And then a lot of times I'll hear the, oh, we gave them to you, Kristen, because you're really good with them. And this is where I struggle. And I've had conversations with my management team because some days I'm a charge nurse, some days I'm a floor nurse, some days I'm this and precepting and this. And I'm like, yes, I'm very good with them. I do my very best. But again, they're stigmatizing the fact that Kristen has kids with autism at home and can deal with them. Um, and knowing that they're way different than my kid, but my own kids are different than each other. Okay, nonetheless, I'm going to take care of any kid I have to my best ability. Um, but then some days I give, you know, I'm at my job 12 hours. I could tell Devin 12 turns into 15 with reports. And, you know, I'm gone long hours from my own children to give at my job that I love what I do. But I empty that cup to somebody else. You know, I give everything, all of it. Because they're very emotionally taxing some days. And I go home to it with an empty cup to my own. Then I'll have nothing else to give. And that's where I struggle. Trying to find like a balance between, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I've had a time where I came home and I yelled at Dylan for something that I like wouldn't yelled at him about. It was something so stupid. I can't even think about it. And he melted down for hours. We were up to two, three in the morning over something that I wouldn't have done if I didn't drain my cup earlier in the day from dealing with somebody else's child for so many hours so that balance is very important to me um and so that's just my biggest thing is like making sure that i'm not taken advantage of too in my job that it's like oh christine does so well with them but i make sure everybody does so well with them yeah that's a, because my exact everybody thought. needs to be taking care of these children and remember mm -hmm. one in 59 y'all one in 59 you're going to come across a child with autism too you make sure to take very good care of them but my other options sometimes are not so wonderful their comments are not so nice and then it's like you know what never mind i'll take them but then to the detriment of my own if i've drained my cup and haven't got to fill it up so that's i mean it's a struggle but i mean it, it's not enough to i mean i do what i love i love what i do but i also have to be mindful that i also make sure i take care of myself mentally because i do this every day for a living and at home and i don't get to stop doing it you know i don't get to turn it off or clock out when i go home yeah and I think educating people and, and people knowing more about this is a first step to helping in any okay. situation. You know, with, with that being said, you did send us over a poem. It was called uh, Holland. When in Holland. One, when in Holland. Welcome to Holland. It was called uh, Welcome to Holland. And, you know, the, this whole, I, I got the chance to read it. And this poem, um, you can put into every single situation. Uh, I'm not going to read the poem verbatim. It was a little bit long, but mm -hmm. the whole premise of this poem was that, you know, you're planning this amazing trip to, I think it was Rome. Italy. It, it was to Italy. Yeah. Um, you know, you're planning this amazing trip, spending weeks on this trip, mm -hmm. planning and planning and planning. Mm -hmm. And you're so excited to go to Italy and you get on the plane, you land and you're not in Italy, you're in Holland. And, you know, as much as a scary feeling that is, if you just take in that, you know, that's all you focus on, you are going to overlook how beautiful Holland can be. Um, so, you know, and that relates to ha having kids with mm -hmm. autism is that, you know, you're planning to have this healthy child mm -hmm. and then you have a, a child that might need a little bit more special care. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people focus so much on that that they aren't yeah. able to see how beautiful life is with their child mm -hmm. um, and, and like I said that that goes yeah. for so from many different so many things different in things. life yeah. and it's really just beautiful to really think about you know you're getting dropped off in another beautiful country that like you can enjoy that you can yeah. have a good life in mm -hmm. uh, but we're a lot of people focus on the negative and right. the scare like you know the fear of what could happen mm -hmm. that they overlook this and can't have that you know experience 
Yeah, I think it, it really, when I first had the first one diagnosed, somebody mentioned read this poem, and, and so it's always, it's been there, you know what I mean? So I've read it so many times over the course of, you know, 12 years, um, and so it's always one that people recommend to people having children being diagnosed with some kind of difference, you know, um, but I think you can apply it to so many different things in, in the world um, and in life, but I think if we always focus on the negative, we miss the positives. You know, you're, you're so blinded by the negative, you can't see the good. You, you know, you have to, if you don't know dark, you can't see light. You know, I mean, we can go into all the quotes, you know what I mean? Like, there's no rainbow without a rain. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way that I've had to focus my life, you know, because there is a lot of negative. Like, the cards have been dealt in a real... Sh Format and we curse on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I hate it. Sorry, y'all. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. Like why? I mean, how? Who? Who do I blame? I can't do all that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's not for me to do. You can't and change that's, it. No. You can't change it. And if I could, because that's sometimes the question I get. Would you change it? I look at these kids and I wish I could meet them, and not because they're different, but because they're not. Mm -hmm. But because they're wonderful children they're wonderful human beings and I hope to raise them to know that they are and that they will be somebody regardless of what the world tells them they will but regardless of all that if I were to change them who would they be who would you be who would I be I certainly am not the 16 year old mother I was teen mom pregnancy I'm not that mom because I've had to grow up I've had to learn to be their advocate, to be the only person with David's help. <laughs> I can't ever forget him. In my, my line, always struggling and pushing forward and saying, nope, we're going to do it. Nope, we're going to make it work. Nope. Have there been rough days? And to touch on David, I know we didn't do it and I know we're getting far, but there's been horrible days. There's been, we're going to break up, we're going to divorce, we're going to this. Our current season is a wonderful one. We love each other. We're focused on making ourselves good human beings. And that's, you know, we're like growing individually because we've grown as human beings. We've been children. We're adults. We're growing into a new season in our lives. And we need to focus on growing our children into the humans they need to be. So our focus is very much in a different place. Um... He met me, he was, I was a young kid, and he was the father figure, and he has to grasp the fact that he's not my father figure anymore. I'm a grown woman. Um, but we love each other, and we want to continue that journey together. And so we're excited what the future holds. But we know it'll be together, even if apart, no matter what, with our children. Yeah, I just want to, just to take it back, because you touched on something very important yeah. there. Um, and really, this is kind of more to Becky's point earlier, children like yours mm -hmm. can teach other children things like patience, other crucial oh, yes. virtues. But what, you know, what something, what you had said that I thought was really enlightening was that they could teach adults. Mm -hmm. You know, who would you be without your children? They, point. you know, it's, it's, it's not just teaching their peers, it's teaching their elders or their, I've you said know. many a times, I've learned so much more than I can ever say from those children that they've ever than I could ever learn from a book, from any education I've had, from any future ever education I will have, from any book, from any person. Those children have taught me more than I can ever teach or say to anyone. But if I can take anything I've learned and give it to anybody else, my work here is done. You know, and I know you can't take a flight back to Rome from Holland, yeah. but from what I understand, Holland is... It's pretty nice. Pretty nice. And the yeah, poem, by the way, for anybody that is, you know, for anybody that's interested, the poem is, you know, as we said, it's called Welcome to Holland, and it's by Emily Pearl Kingsley. And from my understanding, I think it's even part of a larger essay. But it is um, kind of regarded as sort of a, um, kind of like the anthem of autism. It seemed, you know, as soon as I Googled one, the other came up. So mm -hmm. Yeah, they go hand in hand these days. So, Kristen, we're coming to a close here. Um, and what we like to do at the end of every podcast is if you would like to give a few words of advice to anyone 
going through maybe a similar situation to you, what would that be? Know that there's hope. Know that there is beautiful destinations ahead. But there's often a lot of different road bumps along the way. So be prepared, be ready, and be willing. Um, And something I said earlier that you said I should share was, it's okay to be ignorant, but it's not okay to stay ignorant. So I wanted to share that. So me teaching others and just to have compassion and understand is important. Because we all don't know what we don't know what we don't know. So it's okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Amazing, yeah. Um, On, you know, myself and behalf of the team with Laura and Devin, uh, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to come out here. You know, it's truly amazing, you know, meeting so many people and hearing their stories. And there is such a similarity in every single person. And it is wild because every single person is going through something so different. Mm-hmm. But like, it's do you guys, so do you understand similar. what I'm saying? 100%. Like, I thought we meet you guys and like, and it's fascinating that we're picking the right people because it's like, this is what you're meant to be doing with the cards that you dealt. Yeah. And if, and I hope one day that we'll be able to get everyone together that we've mm-hmm. had on because yes. your strength, like behind each and every one of you is amazing incredible it is absolutely incredible and like it makes me proud to be able to meet someone like you and to be able to give the platform to someone like you to help in this case and and i mean that from the bottom of my heart um that's all we're doing i mean we're not sharing our words of wisdom so much as we're just listening to you guys and you're filling the room and it's just and it's incredible it really is like i said i never wanted to be some Super woman advocate martyr person like not at all. I think you're the former. You're not the latter. Introverted, <laughs> you're extrovert super woman. Ever. You're definitely like, not a martyr. Yeah, but yeah. this has been you know if this is what I'm given and this is what I have to do, then I mean like I said, get ready for turbulent roads because they're there. But I can get out on the other end. Everybody else can too. If what the the deal I've been the deal or whatever I've been dealt I don't even know how to say that you know and all the statistics dealt against us you know teen mom this special needs that all the things and we can come out on the other end with our health heads held up high and knowing and still loving and still know that there is good in this world then everybody else can too I mean that's yeah. it I can well, agree well, right. well, I instinctively yeah. want to like applaud you yeah. right now well, with that being said yeah with that being said uh, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in I know you probably want to hear more but we are running out of time um, be sure to check out Kristen's video on our YouTube channel for the haters if you have not done so already um, also our Instagram and Twitter handles are for the hater for the haters with us and then as well as our website um, there's a connections tab on there that allows people to communicate with their stories um, to find stories alike and always remember you are not alone and uh, you know do it for the haters oh. thank you guys right. thank you thank you for the haters for the haters come on to it now or later Whoa. Don't matter what your name is, share your story, we'll be waiting uh, 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 yeah. for the haters. Well-